Good morning. I'm Matt Hoffman. It's Tuesday, March 29th. Having COVID-19 treatments available for the high risk. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. The California Assembly has approved a bill that would extend eviction protections for millions of renters. Current protections are set to expire this week. The extension would not allow landlords to evict tenants that are waiting for rental assistance. The bill now heads to the state Senate for a vote. With more Ukrainian refugees expected to arrive in San Diego, one county supervisor is calling for more federal assistance. Supervisor Joel Anderson wrote a letter to President Joe Biden asking for financial aid to help Afghan and Ukrainian refugees here. The president said last week 100,000 Ukrainians would be coming to the U.S. County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher says San Diego will be joining other regions in welcoming the refugees. This evening is the State of San Diego County Address. Supervisors Chair Nathan Fletcher will be delivering remarks about where the county is heading. Fletcher says the address will focus on issues that matter most, like homelessness, housing, mental health, and public safety. In addition to sign language, the address will be translated into multiple languages. It's scheduled to start just after 6 p.m. and will be streamed live on our KPBS YouTube page. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news that you need. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. There's a recently available drug for San Diegans whose immune systems are not able to fight COVID, but for some, access is an issue. I spoke with one local resident who is anxiously trying to get her hands on Evusheld. So I have what they call primary immune deficiency. We spoke with a San Diego woman who lives with a compromised immune system. She didn't want to use her name, but says her condition has been with her since she was a kid. I had two surgeries before I was 18 for um, sinus infections that had gotten so bad that they couldn't treat them with antibiotics. I think most of high school, I was on preventative antibiotics because I was sick so often. Something as simple as a cold can send her to the hospital. And like others who are immunocompromised, she doesn't respond well or at all to vaccines. To counter that, she gets monthly antibody infusions to beef up her immune system. When the pandemic hit, the San Diego resident didn't know what to think. I was terrified. Honestly, I was like, oh gosh, like, because remember the, the, the H1N1 was the last pandemic and I ended up in the hospital during the pandemic, right? Like seriously ill. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to die. She got good news in December. A new drug called Evusheld is a preventative antibody therapy proven to give the same protection that healthy people get from COVID-19 vaccines. I was so excited. I was, I thought, finally... I can maybe like, like I have nieces and nephews that live across the country and maybe I can go visit them. And, you know, my parents are older and I haven't seen my dad since the pandemic began. Um, and I would really love to go visit him. Um, sorry. I, that one, it's actually hard. I really love to visit my dad and I'm, I would love to do it and feel safe and feel not scared. 
um, or feel like if I did get it, there was a very good chance I wouldn't get very sick. And I don't have, like I talked about, I just don't have that assurance right now. So it's, it's hard. She's been medically eligible for Evusheld for months, and even though she needs it, she hasn't been able to get it. Her doctor is in Los Angeles and can't get access. She was excited to hear San Diego County Medical Director Dr. Seema Shah recently putting out the call for treatment requests. There's definitely increasing demand, but not at at the rate at which we would like to see it. And that's really why getting that message out there to that if you're immune compromised, talk to your doctor, get refer you know, get your Evusheld. Wait, it's available? She tried to get Evusheld locally at UC San Diego Health, but was disappointed to find out that they and other hospitals are reserving doses for their patients. She could become one, but that would mean starting a new care plan with a new doctor. San Diego County officials control the local distribution for Evusheld. The bulk of doses are going to major hospital systems like UCSD Health, Kaiser, and Scripps. Other systems have limited supply. Healthcare in San Diego is is a little bit siloed, and there's the four or five large systems, but also a lot of people in that have private physicians, and they're kind of lost here. And, and so we're happy to serve that role. Christian Ramers is chief of population health at Family Health Centers of San Diego. It's one place that takes outside referrals for Evusheld. We've had people come down from large transplant centers in Los Angeles who, for whatever reason, cannot get it from their own system. Uh, and we've even had inquiries from out of state. The county is working to expand awareness about Evusheld, but the current system doesn't work for everyone. I actually found a um, infusion center in Oakland. The San Diego resident is not waiting around and is jumping on an opportunity to get the treatment up in Northern California. It's not her preferred option, but sees it as the only way to get the same protection that vaccinated people have. You know, the shot was free for everybody. I, I feel like the we should also make this really easily accessible for everybody that's immune deficient and needs it. So that way they are protected and they have the same equal of a protection as a vaccinated person beside them. Federal data shows UC San Diego Health has access to the most doses of Evusheld. However, they aren't available to everyone who is immunocompromised. UCSD health officials say that they are working with the county to develop an open referral process, but that system isn't in place yet. A controversial federal jail in downtown San Diego was given a last-minute extension to stay open for another 90 days. iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano explains. Western Region Detention Facility was preparing to shut down on Thursday following Joe Biden's executive order to phase out private prisons. In recent weeks, most of the detainees were transferred to other facilities, and staff received termination letters. The decision to keep the jail open came unexpectedly late last week. It was a surprise to Cassandra Lopez, a federal public defender whose office has many clients at Western Region. Lopez says Biden's executive order, which points to poor living conditions in private prisons, is justified. We believe that the administration's concerns that they raise in the memo are well-founded. Randy Irwin, president of the Federal Employees Union, considers the news a victory for the 300 San Diego workers at risk of losing their jobs. They are facing something that is kind of a crushing thing. But I mean, I have have never seen people so motivated to carry on this fight uh, to the bitter end. 
The marshal service would not explain what will happen in 90 days when the jail's closing date approaches again. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Better roads and highways, more help for the homeless, and even a new port of entry at the border. Just some of the things that San Diego leaders are lobbying for right now in Washington, D.C. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado explains why they're there. A delegation of over 170 local and regional San Diego elected officials, business and nonprofit leaders went to our nation's capital to lobby for infrastructure dollars. The yearly trip is organized by the San Diego's Regional Chamber of Commerce. These are big city ideas. San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria said in a news conference they have dozens of meetings scheduled with federal leaders to make the case for the urgent needs of the region. He and several other delegation members already met with Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Conversation that Chair Blakester and I were having this morning with Secretary Buttigieg was really around not just shovel ready but shovel worthy and kind of the notion being that we want to plan for projects that have transformational change. Catherine Blakespear, the mayor of Encinitas, who was also also on the SANDAG board or the regional government's planning agency says funding a third port of entry in Otay Mesa is a top priority for the delegation. We know that California and Baja California are home to the busiest land ports of entry in the Western Hemisphere. Border wait times have significant impacts on our region and are causing challenges for both our economy and our air quality and also quality of life for everybody who lives in the area. Gloria says homelessness and affordable housing are also at the top of the list. Let me be extremely clear. In a nation, state, and city as wealthy as San Diego, California, United States, we shouldn't have any homeless people. He says securing funding for HUD, new housing projects, and housing assistance will not just help shelter the more than 8,000 San Diegans who are on the streets now, but also help the more than a million people who are rent insecure and families live their American dreams in San Diego. We want people who are hard work contributing to our economy to see a future for themselves in San Diego. That is economic prosperity. That is success. And that's why we're working so hard to bring both the infrastructure and housing dollars back to San Diego. Gloria said members of the congressional delegation have secured over $107 million in the latest budget to fund community projects. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. The son of former San Diego County Republican Party chairman Tony Kravarek engaged in misconduct. That's according to a Marine Corps investigation into whether Victor Kravarek, a reservist, tried to join a neo-Nazi group. KPBS's Amitha Sharma has more. The Marines were tight-lipped about what exactly they discovered in their probe of whether 21-year-old Victor Kravarik applied to be in the neo-Nazi group Patriot Front. In a short written statement, Marine spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Craig Thomas said, quote, the investigation concluded misconduct had occurred and the command has taken disciplinary actions. He would not say what the discipline was. In any case, Kavarik may not be in the Marine Reserves for long. Thomas says Kavarik was already being processed for a discharge for prior misconduct unrelated to white supremacy. Amitha Sharma, KPBS News. Coming up, everyone has a pandemic story. We'll hear how COVID has impacted the lives of two San Diegans after the break.
Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks. Two years ago this week, we were in the early days of pandemic restrictions. Now many San Diegans are taking off their masks and returning to lives that look a lot more like they did before the pandemic. But that doesn't mean that the pandemic hasn't changed our lives. KPBS Midday Edition producer Emily Mohebi brings you two of those stories today. While people were stuck in their homes in the early days of the pandemic, cheering for essential workers became a worldwide phenomenon. For Bankers Hill resident Marcy Colleen, what began as a way to thank doctors and nurses ended up helping her form lasting bonds with her neighbors. At that time, we could hear the cheering going on downtown, and every night it felt like it got a little bit closer to Bankers Hill, and I could not wait until it finally made it up to Bankers Hill so that I could go out and cheer as well. And I think we waited until it got to about three or four blocks away, and I couldn't contain it anymore. And my husband and I went outside, we took a cowbell with us, and we started cheering. And several of our neighbors came out too with pots and pans and clapping and hooting and hollering. And this went on every single night at 8 p.m. We even have some neighbors on our block who work at the hospital and we would sometimes cheer them home as they would be pulling into their driveways. In every single month, it seemed like we got a little bit closer. We would take a few steps closer to each other as we were cheering. And one night we just, chatted afterward, introduced ourselves, of course, standing six feet apart. And eventually we started texting each other, sharing phone numbers. And when most of the mandates were kind of lifted in June of 2021, we decided that we were going to finally stop cheering. We had been cheering every single night from April, 2020 until June 21. And we decided that we were going to mark the occasion with going out to dinner together. And we all went out to dinner in Liberty Station And it was a great way to just kind of meet each other. And since then, we've celebrated every single person's birthday in the driveway. We've had pumpkin carving parties and Halloween. We've toasted midnight on New Year's Eve. And every single day now when I go out for my morning run, I'm waving, I'm stopping, I'm talking to my neighbors because we actually came together during the pandemic. And it's a really good feeling. In February 2021, I did lose my dad to COVID and um, just having my neighbors around me. I don't know many people in San Diego and just having that feeling of belonging somewhere and still going out and cheering every single night. I, I felt like I was not only doing that for the essential workers and everybody we've lost, but now my dad was included in that. And um, it was a really special time to be able to have people close to you when, you know, up until that point, I didn't really feel like I belonged. Not all essential workers were being cheered and celebrated. In the early days of the pandemic, Tiffany Castro Tremblay worked in a grocery store, and the experience being on the receiving end of the public's panic and anger took a toll on her. 
I remember the first day that school was canceled, uh, things were shut down and people were panic buying. I remember the lines were all the way to the back of the store and the attitudes of the store that day were pretty grim. It's actually kind of mind-blowing to think about how much has happened in the last two years, but I remember everything from the George Floyd protests and how we had to be rushed out of the store for that. But in general, looking back, I think I just remembered how fearful everyone was. I would have to say over these last two years, I feel pretty like war-torn. And so I think for me, these last two years has taught me how to be prepared when someone in front of you becomes unhinged for whatever reason. I've seen people get vicious over not having the right creamer or having to wait an extra minute in line when we are very short-staffed. During the pandemic, there were a lot of changes besides what was happening. The plan was always for me to go back to grad school to train to become a marriage and family therapist. And so I started grad school right in the middle of 2020. And unfortunately, my mother also passed around that same time. So it was quite an uphill battle, not only being you know, immersed in the world of COVID and working retail, but also grieving and diving back into school. I think learning and training to be in the mental health field while COVID was happening was such a strange and unique experience because on one hand, you know, I'm training on how to care for people who just have, you know, really rough circumstances in their life that they want to navigate through or who are recovering from trauma. And in my other job, I am face-to-face with people who are experiencing trauma or who are handing out trauma to other people, unfortunately, while they're shopping for their groceries. And when I say that, I mean like fights in the store, like physical fights in the store over someone wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, uh, verbal abuse from customers uh, directed at us workers or even just at the person behind them. I think for me, it accumulated. It was just too much to handle. It, It got exhausting. So um, I realized I had to get out of retail and I decided to work with kids and I haven't looked back. That story was produced by Emmalyn Mohebi. Join us tomorrow to hear more pandemic stories. That's it for the podcast today. As always, go to our website, kpbs.org, where you can find more San Diego news. I'm Matt Hoffman. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.